Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg. Uh, my co-host for the last 14 years of doing this is here today. And, you know, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of people to perform in the top 10%. And we're always interested in any tips, tools, hacks that uh, we can get from our guests that we can pass on to you. Today we're going to be talking with Steve Gavatorta, and he's going to be able to talk about leading and self-managing through these adverse and ambiguous times. So as we're coming out of the pandemic, this is the perfect time to have Steve, and we'll have some questions for him and hear a little bit about his background uh, uh, in just a moment. And, you know, Kathy and I, with our Emotional Brilliance uh, Academy platform, and you can go to www.emotionalbrilliance.com, that we're really looking for kind of the key aspects of what does someone do when they're in these ambiguous and adverse times. What comes out of your mouth? Is it the best decision? Is it the best communication? Is it the best strategy? And all of this goes on the front side of the input. What do you know about yourself? What do you know about others? So these are some of the key aspects around someone we call emotionally intelligent. And then in the moment, well, what's the pattern? What's the nuggets that you know about yourself that you can bring forward? And so let me uh, just say a word about Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my esteemed uh, co-host. You know, Kathy and I have been doing this for 14 years, as I've mentioned. And you know, Kathy uh, has, has the author of nine books that you can get a hold of. She also has a uh, iPhone app, um, Your Happiness Now, that you can see her glowing face. And Kathy is an expert in dealing with uh, law enforcement and all the issues around police and has some incredible projects um, that she is leading now to bring some of this emotional intelligence, emotional brilliance to our law enforcement and to the military. So, Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Relly. I'm always delighted to be here with one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And uh, for those of you who are listening and have been with us for almost 15 years, uh, you'll be happy to know Relly and I have just signed another contract with Voice America, so we're staying put right here. And, you know, all you have to do is say... Uh, Alexa or Google or whoever it is that's your you know favorite go-to for electronics and say find leadership development news podcast and uh, and we appear and on any of your favorite podcast uh, stations so join us and uh, you know today we're going to talk to an amazing expert uh, that is going to give us great insights uh, about the things that we can do to help ourselves get back into the swing of life. But, you know, just today we're hearing on the news uh, that there are, you know, variants uh, of this, uh, you know, remaining uh, COVID virus uh, throughout the world. Uh, there's now a gamma uh, variant. And so just when we think it's safe to go back into life, uh, the little 
a, you know, these little um, fears, these, uh, you know, little accents of uh, what I would call horribleization, you know, start uh, re- recycling themselves in our brains. And, you know, it's, it's a good time for us to have a show uh, to talk about how to reenter. But before we do that, of course, uh, many of you know Relly. Uh, he is uh, a licensed psychologist. He is a master certified coach. He is a corporate team trainer and executive uh, development expert. You know, Relly's written uh, just so many books on the subject of emotional intelligence, including a recent book on physician burnout, where um, we're going to be focusing in 2022, we're actually going to broaden our Emotional Brilliance Academy to include uh, Emotional Brilliant Healthcare uh, and Emotional Brilliant Executive Women and emotionally brilliant hospitality because everybody uh, is needing more help than they thought that they would need. And so Relly brings us uh, that cherished expertise, and we are so fortunate to be friends and colleagues all these years. Uh, and as you know, Relly also has an iApp called Leadership Keys, and you can get either of our iApps by just going to the App Store and just, again, speaking the name of the the app, it'll come right to you. So, um, Relly, you know, I, I want to get right into our show today. Sure. Um, I, I think we're going to have an engaging conversation uh, with Steve. So, uh, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about Steve, and then I'll start with our first question. Okay, perfect. So, um, let me say a word about Steve, and then we'll bring him on. We're really glad to have uh, Steve Gavatorta. And Steve is the owner of his own coaching group called the Steve Gavitorta Group, specializes in empowering individuals and organizations in identifying, developing, and exceeding performance goals. So that's really what we're trying to uh, tap him for is, you know, how does he go about that uh, with his group? He's had the privilege of coaching and training thousands of high performers across an array of industries, from small businesses to Fortune 500 companies. So he collaborates with them to build foundations to set the goals and then to eclipse uh, their highest potential, so kind of moving forward. Uh, he is a certified professional behavioral analyst and also a certified professional values analyst. He uses the Myers-Briggs, a tool that both Kathy and I love, and it also um, uses uh, and coaches around emotional intelligence. So we have a lot in common here. And his newest book, In Defense of Adversity, Turn Your Toughest Challenges into Your Greatest Success, won the Richter's Publishing uh, Amazon Bestseller Award Seller Award in 2018, and he lives in Tampa. And so, uh, Steve, welcome to the show. We're really glad to have you. Uh, happy to be here. I just realized, though, after hearing your introductions, uh, nine books, I've only done two. I have a lot of catching up to do, I think. <laughs> well, <laughs> good. well, maybe maybe you're younger than Kathy and I, and you got more time to do that. <laughs> So, I don't know. I swore off the last one. Last one I did. (laughs) (laughs) The last one I did, I said it was going to be the last one, but I said that about my first one, too, so you never know. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's better that way. You know, you need to surprise yourself. I I, I always tell people never say never. But, you know, Steve, that brings us to to, uh, our first question. And Riley and I always like to start off with knowing a little bit about you uh, personally before we get into the business Mm of dealing with, uh, uh, as my grandmother would say, all of our craziness, Misha Goss in this world. Um, 
Yeah. Tell us a little bit about who's influenced you and the role that you're now playing uh, in the world of coaching. Yeah, it would be my, the, the gentleman that hired me my first job out of college. Uh, I didn't realize how fortunate I was that um, one day I'd be interviewing with a man who would be uh, not only my mentor, but in many ways my father. And um, uh, he was actually the director of training and uh, manpower development my, at my first job called Beecham Products. Beecham Products was a consumer packaged goods company. We sold one of our biggest products was toothpaste. So I'm a former toothpaste salesman. That uh, our uh, I interviewed with a gentleman named Santo LaQuatra. Again, that's a, that's a mouthful, a nice paisan from Pittsburgh. But Santo, again, was director of training and manpower development. And uh, Beecham Products at the time, uh, all their upper-level management, including Santo, were former Procter & Gamble employees. <clears throat> and back in the day, Procter & Gamble was known uh, as the Cadillac for training and development. So I was very fortunate. My first job out of college, uh, it was a company and a leadership team that believed wholeheartedly in coaching, training, and developing their people. And that really resonated with me. And I think after I I, uh, went through my corporate career, I realized how companies were falling away from training and development. And a lot of consultants were coming in and they really didn't understand our business and the skills they were teaching us weren't relevant to our jobs. They didn't connect the dots. And I started thinking to myself, wow, I wonder how much this consultant's making because I think I can do a heck of a better job. And after about 20 plus years of corporate America and, and, and this, this desire to get into the training development world, I was sticking in my crawl for many, many years. And finally, I think I had enough of uh, um, some things going on. I saw the opportunity to, to leave cold turkey and start my own business. Uh, the gentleman that I mentioned that was the biggest influence on me, Santo, uh, he actually left the corporate world as well and started his own training and development company. So I kind of followed his path. And he is still a mentor to me uh, in this day. I really fully realize, um, especially after what we're going to talk about today, a lot of uh, what I want to talk about is brain functionality, how our brain functions every day in, a, in, in the optimal state, but especially how our brain functions in, a, in, in, in non-so-optimal situations and how training connects the dots between ensuring that we are functioning at a, on that optimal level. So I'm a big proponent of coaching, training, and development. Without it, people are not going to optimize their potential, and companies are not going to optimize their business, op, uh, business potential either. Oh, so outstanding. This, yeah, we're definitely uh, excited to kind of hear, hear that. And so tell me uh, or tell us, you know, why is this so important as, as for our listeners? And, again, these, this is recorded, so, you know, someone could be listening uh, 10 years mm-hmm. from now. But as we are coming out from the pandemic, and Kathy mentioned, you know, there's still um, variants that come up. So we're not really out yet. And also you kind of hear from uh, some of the professional athletes who've actually been vaccinated and still got COVID. So we're still in it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, right. Why is it so important, you know, your topic about dealing with adverse and ambiguous times? Yeah. Even before this, kind of, this whole philosophy of this understanding really came about during the uh, research of my book, In Defense of Adversity, Turn Your Toughest Challenges in Your Greatest Success. And even before this whole COVID dynamic, one of the taglines of my business is 
we are in a fast-paced, high-tech, ever-evolving world. Change is hitting us faster than ever. Adversity striking us deeper. The speed at which we may need to make decisions is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And this is the new way of our world. So there is a new type of uh, approach we need to take to this fast-paced world. Add to the fact that in corporate America, I think there's actually, what is it now, four generations with vastly different uh, viewpoints of the world in many ways, all in this uh, work, work environment now. And many times some of these younger folks are now in, getting into leadership uh, positions over some of the old dogs, so to speak. So there's a lot of, it's really tumultuous times, not only in our world, but in the corporate world, primarily, again, because of this fast-paced uh, scenario we're in, then you throw COVID on to that. That makes that, that even makes that even uh, more pressing. But I even told, tell people, even after this COVID is gone, world, the world has changed. We are in a, again, fast paced, high tech, ever evolving world. And the need to have steady, wise, rational thinking leadership, it's always been important. But I think more so ever than, uh, more so now than ever because of what I just said, the fast paced, high tech, ever evolving world. Um, we need to have late leaders who have high emotional intelligence, who can think rationally, logically, and reasoned in the face of obstacles. And they in turn can lead and keep their team in that same rational, logical mindset as they're going through uh, these crazy times as well, too. So I think the importance EQ has always been important in my book, but it's taken uh, an extra leap because of the world we're in today. Yeah. Well, so I know one of the things I, I tell people, Steve, exactly with that, whatever metaphor you want to use around leadership, that this is kind of like the leadership Super Bowl. I mean, given everything you're saying mm-hmm. about adverse conditions, I mean, it's always challenging for leaders, but this is when people are looking to their leaders you know, in the variety of roles that we look to our leaders, you know, somewhat as a counselor, somewhat as a lay psychologist, you know, there's so much mm-hmm. stuff going on that they really are looking to their leaders to make sense of the world uh, for them and, and to help. So with, with that, you know, how to, like, what's the normal way that people would deal, if there is normal, uh, to adversity? Well, like, what have you found? Yeah, each person's different. You know, there's no uh, black or white answer to how people deal with adversity. Plus, the definition of adversity really depends on the person. I mean, some people are highly motivated and excited about change. Uh, Some people are not. So some people may look at uh, a changing environment, changing the culture of an organization as a tumultuous, adverse situations where other people may look at it as an exciting situation. So adversity is defined by the person. Yeah, another thing that can be adversity are people in our lives, situations, events, or people. So certain people may push certain people's buttons, and that is considered an adverse situation. Other people have no issue dealing with engaging and interacting with others. So once again, it's deeply personal. Uh, and the definition is based, is deeply personal as well, too. Number one. Number two, our response varies depending on um, our personalities and our behaviors and our emotional intelligence. Obviously, the higher EQ you have, the more astute you are going to be to, in, in handling adversity uh, head-on. You're going to be able to read others and help others through adversity. So EQ is a key element. Another key element is, once again, understanding our own behavior, 
We mentioned uh, Myers-Briggs, one of your favorite assessments. I use another one a little bit more often, and that's where I get the certified professional behavioral analyst. I'm also DISC certified. And what I also do is connect the dots and help people understand, based on their DISC behavior style, what are potential triggers and responses based on your DISC style. So what are triggers would be, what are those things that can set us into that emotional state of freeze, fight, or flight, because that's our response in handling adversity when we are not functioning in a rational state of mind. So again, uh, how we handle it depends on the person, number one. Number two, what's our perception of adversity? I mean, one of the most important things we need to do, I think, is really understand our perception of adversity and realize that life is not fair, life does not happen on our terms. And to, with that perception alone, it enables us to look at these things when they happen in a positive, rational reason life as an opportunity to either solve a problem or at least learn and grow from it. And, you know, Steve, so Steve one of the things that I find really fascinating, we're about to go to a break in a, in a second mm-hmm. here, but, you know, I work with individuals in special forces and special operations in uh, special response teams, tactical operators, and they mm-hmm. live in a constant state of adversity. So there's also That's a right. whole population of people that have become accustomed to living in that, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, hot zone for the brain. And I would love to, you know, to hear more about how we can uh, inject some of, of your thinking uh, into all walks uh, of our lives. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News, so don't go away. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Icy Tech, like the hardworking men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how, it's a way of life. Icy Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. 
the Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We are talking with Steve Gavatorta from the uh, Gavatorta Group. Steve's uh, website is www.gavatorta.com. And so, Steve, before the break, we were talking a little bit about adversity and how it impacts the, the brain. And, you know, both Kathy and I are definitely fans of neuroscience and, and brain functioning. But so what have, what have you learned that's been helpful in, in dealing with helping people face some of this adversity and obstacles. Yeah, Kathy had a perfect segue in. Um, about, as I was researching my book, um, I was simultaneously doing a martial art uh, called Muay Thai. I'm not sure if you've heard of Muay Thai, but it's Thai kickboxing, and they call it the art of eight limbs. Very popular now. But my instructor was a gentleman named Eric Parker. Eric Parker was a former Marine former SWAT team leader for the Indianapolis Police Force, canine handler, um, certified tactical trainer on chemical and, and, and armed uh, munition, weaponry, and all that good stuff. And he was also an undefeated kickboxer at 13-0. So the guy's a pretty tough, knowledgeable guy. But he taught me, and he teaches his fighters, and he used to teach his police officers when he was, when he was a SWAT team leader, on understanding how the brain's uh, two important parts of the brain and how these two important parts of our brain help us understand how we can in turn function in that optimal state of being every day, but especially in adverse, ambiguous, or difficult times. So Eric taught me about two important parts of the brain. First one called the limbic system. The limbic system is also known as our emotional brain. Um, The limbic system, uh, it, it does not grow, transform, or evolve through time. It's what we're born with. So when we are in that limbic state of mind, when an adverse situation happens, our response is going to be emotional, freeze fight or flight. So as you can imagine, as a leader, when you're facing a difficult situation, freezing, fighting or flighting or some combination of those three is not a good place to be. Um, The the, the limbic system does uh, have its uh, uh, value. Uh, When we were babies, when we were hungry, we cried. 
when we were dinosaur, when we were uh, uh, cavemen or women, when a dinosaur came, we knew to run. You know, so that was our limbic system kicking in. But it is not a value when we are trying to solve a problem, when we're trying to make a good decision, when we're trying to lead others, when we're trying to think creatively. The other part of our brain is called the cortex, also known as our rational brain. That is where reason and logic lie. That's where we can formulate and make plans. That's where we can draw lessons from experiences and training and development. That's where we realize we have options. We don't have to panic. We don't have to fall into freeze, fight, or flight. So the cortex does grow, transform, and evolve through time, through our life experiences, good and I think especially bad, if we, are, if, if we have a positive, open-minded perception of adversity or difficulties, meaning I can learn a lesson from this, this is placed in my life for a reason, then there's a good chance we are going to develop our cortex muscle, so to speak, because we're either going to face that obstacle and overcome it, or we are at least going to learn a valuable lesson from that situation that can be useful to us down the road. So through our life experiences, both good and bad, through our, this is where I said earlier, through our training development, we are building our cortex muscle by understanding how to be effective in sales, how to handle objections, how to effectively lead others. These are all training skills that can help us become effective in a given job. I've seen many times working with salespeople, both in my corporate life and now as a consultant, you know, if a, if a salesperson does not have the skills or training on how to handle an objection, you know, when a customer says no, um, oftentimes that salesperson will start panicking. They'll start sweating. They'll right. start getting defensive or they'll shut down. That's because their limbic system has taken over on them. They're not thinking rationally anymore. And in all fairness to, to them, it, it, it's because they don't have a foundation or a training skill on how to handle an objection. So that's why I'm such a big proponent in training and development, because you're teaching people skill sets. And if you can train them to bring those skill sets into real-world situations they're facing in the workplace, you're going to build and develop their cortex muscle, and they, in turn, will be functioning in a certain job at that optimal brain capacity. So through our experiences, both good and bad, through our training and development, through our education system, we can build our cortex muscle. So the bottom line is, when adversity strikes, uncertainty is happening, we must be function to be successful we must be functioning in that rational part of our brain, our cortex, because if we are not, we won't be able to solve problems. We won't be able to think creatively. We won't be able to think out of the box. We may say something we regret later, and those things are quite harmful. So I firmly believe helping leaders raise their emotional intelligence, be better at accessing their rational cortex part of their brain, is a point of differentiation, not only for that leader, but for the organization that individual is leading. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the maybe exercises or practices that can help us better deal with these um, more, you know, short-term adversities, but maybe if you have some other 
you know, tricks and, and tools in your uh, toolkit there on long-term as well. Right. So a couple of things. Um, we talk about your big proponents of emotional intelligence. I also talk about the importance of having high EQ and being an effective leader. And I'm certified in bar on EQ. And they look at three measurements for emotional intelligence. One is intrapersonal skills, shelf knowledge. That is understanding yourself, all the attributes associated with yourself, how you behave, how you communicate, how you're motivated, how you deal with change, risk, conflict, and adversity, how you make decisions. So the more knowledge you can have about those attributes in yourself, the more astute you're going to be, the more you're going to build that cortex muscle and be effective because you understand yourself. Secondly, you're building your interpersonal skills, understanding those very same attributes in those people you're interacting with, whether they're people you're leading, whether they're uh, uh, colleagues, whether they're external customers, understanding those same behavioral attributes and others. And then thirdly, your ability to be adaptive to the environment and what's happening. So what I do is I use behavioral assessments called DISC to help people gain that intrapersonal skill side, the interpersonal skill side, and that adaptability side as well, too. Because DISC can help us understand our attributes and how we can function when we're in that rational state of mind versus that emotional state of mind. So the number one thing I can do or I recommend people do is it doesn't have to be DISC. It could be DISC, Myers-Briggs, Social Style, Strength Finders. Take an assessment to help you build your intrapersonal skills. Understand your behavior, your personality style, and understand those people um, that you're leading, their styles, and then how we are going to function when real-world environments happen, such as change, such as ambiguity. If we can understand ourselves as leaders and those people we're leading and how we're going to function under duress, that is going to help us be effective when, when real-world situations happen. I'll give you a great example um, of, of pulling this all together. One of the greatest leaders uh, that I've ever heard speak was a former basketball coach of the University of Tennessee Volunteers women's basketball team. Her name was Pat Summit. Pat has since passed away. I think Pat Summit was one of the highest EQ leaders I've ever uh, heard speak. Uh, she was a great leader. Uh, her players loved her. She had highly successful teams. And her players became successful in life after college. But Pat Summit told a great story, and it really encapsulates her high emotional intelligence and her understanding of her team and how they would function under stress. Uh, Pat Summit told a story. The Tennessee Volunteers were playing in a national championship game. They're losing to Connecticut by one point with three seconds left. Pat Summit calls a timeout to call the final play. Pat Summit had a All-American point guard that year, and Pat Summit sets up the play for this point guard to get the final play and win the game. Pat Summit calls the play, looks at this point guard immediately. That point guard looks to the ground, stares, looks away, loses eye contact. Immediately, Pat Summit changed the play, put it to another player. Tennessee ended up winning the game. My point of this story is, 
it was an example of a high emotional intelligence leader, Pat Summit, who was very self-aware, had high intrapersonal skills, but more importantly, she had high interpersonal skills. She knew her team. She, and she knew how they would function under duress. And based on what was happening in the moment, she was able to be adaptable, flexible enough to make a wise decision and ultimately win the game uh, for their team. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question, Kathy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Steve, that's a a great example of of what we were saying earlier. In the moment, like you said with with Coach Pat, uh, understanding herself but understanding others. So she read that the, the player was not confident, and in the moment that would have been what we would kind of call emotional brilliance. So emotional brilliance is taking a lot of the strengths of emotional intelligence and what happens in the moment. So you, you demonstrate That's right. if you're a star or peak performer in the moment. What do you do in the moment? So that's a great example of that. And I think, well, I think like in, a lot of, in a lot of situations, a leader is going to ignore what they are seeing. They're gonna, they, may, they may not even see it. If you have low EQ, you're not going to even notice that that player lost eye contact. Right. And then, you know, if, you're, if your EQ isn't at a specific level or you're not, you don't have those interpersonal skill sets developed, you may see that person lose eye contact and come hell or high water, you're going to stick to what you wanted to do. You know, that's yep. that's example of, uh, you might be in most intelligent person in the world, but if you're losing those emotional cues that you're witnessing and not adapting accordingly, then you're, you're not going to be affected. Because yep. when that player is in that emotional state of freeze, fire, flight, in that instance, she was no longer op- of running on full uh, optimal brain capacity. And, and the chances of her... Um, being effective athletically would be would would decline too because when you're in that emotional state of freeze, fight, or flight, not only aren't you thinking rationally, but your body mechanics suffer as well too. Eric Parker, my kickboxing coach, actually had videos of martial artists or, or kickboxers who forgot their training and they forgot how to throw a simple punch. They were throwing haymakers. They were looking uncoordinated. So here are these great athletes who fell into that emotional state and lost their motor skills. So this falling into this emotional state is huge. You know, I think people uh, generically know, yeah, I shouldn't get mad. Yeah, I shouldn't shut down. But they don't really realize how detrimental it can be, especially if you say the wrong thing. You make a bad decision. It, It can really be harmful. So... I think more now than ever, this world needs rational thinking, calm, cool, collected leaders who are willing to look at adversity and look at it, looking at, look at it as a, a mountain to climb and, and, and to, to reach that peak or at least learn a valuable lesson. Every situation in our lives is placed there for us to learn a valuable lesson. Great leaders know that and they take advantage of it. And that's why I think great leaders um, in its day and age, too, can can really gain competitive advantages by staying in that rational, calm, cool, collected state. So let me ask this question. I was waiting for Kathy to jump in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. so what what <laughs> would like, be okay. the top thing that you would you would do for somebody? Because um, I you know I hear what you're saying about training, and I think the training, and we know about the military, it really. Um, trains their brains so they're not caught, they're not surprised. 
And I think when you're talking about right. the brain, if you're surprised by what happens, that's where you go into fight, flight, or freeze. Or the other, the fourth one is faint. So that's how do you, <laughs> I know you do assessments and stuff, but how do you take the assessments and turn it into something that the person in the moment can do? Like what would be an example of what they right. can do in the moment? Right. There's several things here. What, the first step is, again, through the assessment, understanding what your triggers and responses are. If I right. can firmly understand those situations, events, or people that trigger me, and what that trigger feels like when I fall into an emotional state, a freeze, fight, or flight, I can in turn better self-manage. I'm raising my awareness of those things can set me in that emotional state and what that emotional state feels like. As a personal, uh, personal situation, I've come to realize, I didn't realize this until I worked with Eric Parker and started writing my book, I'm a freezer and fighter. <laughs> now I'm able, now that I know that, I can go back at past situations and say, oh my God, that's why this happened, or that's why that person can rub me wrong. My knowledge about those situations, events, and people that can set me into that limbic state of free spider flight and what it feels like has in turn raised my self-awareness, raised my EQ, and now I can better self-manage myself. I do that with other people, whether it's one-on-one -on -one coaching or in teams. I help them, number one, understand their styles. I help them clarify what those emotional triggers and responses are so they can be more aware of them and then act on them. And then I have some tools down the pike afterwards to make wise decisions in the moment moving forward. And then a process for when you don't make such a wise decision, how can we use that perceived failure or that perceived non-productive event in a positive life light for use some other time down the road. And I'd be happy to talk about those two processes as well. Well, Steve, we're going to take a quick break once again. And uh, I'd love to hear more about the tools. I will just say this much, that what we do know about the human condition is that scenario planning um, and going through those stages of what might happen and understanding all the different aspects of the benefits and consequences, right, make all the difference in our mm -hmm. ability to think rationally. So we're going to talk more to right. our friend, Steve Gavatora, when we come back. So don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs. They help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. 
www.brilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone, the Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you are part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about Steve, his website is www.gavatorta.com, and you can kind of see about his offerings and uh, his speaking, training, and, and coaching. So, uh, Steve, we've been talking about the adversity and, and dealing with what's going on. So in the moment... How does someone make the wisest decision? And that really is kind of defining what Kathy and I have earmarked as emotional brilliance. So in the moment, what, like what, what do you bring to people, whether it's training or coaching, so that in that moment they can be their best? Yeah, and as we said, we laid the groundwork for raising our emotional intelligence by understanding our behavior style and understanding our triggers and responses. That's the first shot across the bow. Now what I do, I work with leaders, and I must say uh, – Kathy will probably like this. It's a military term that I, I can't say I originated, but I kind of stole it from the Air Force. But I use this with my clients um, for help to help them optimize their decision-making in the moment. And that is something, it's an acronym called the OODA loop. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, Kathy, but it was uh, yep. uh, created by the, yep. uh, have you heard of that then? Oh, yeah. We, we use the OODA loop and we actually color code the OODA loop and the uh, EQ 
the MHSEQ when we're doing work with these uh, military professionals and law enforcement professionals because now they can see the actions they're taking in the OODA loop and how they are reflected in the EQ. Bingo. Excellent. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. For the listeners, the OODA loop is a uh, four-step process, again, to help people optimize their decision-making, developed by the United States Air Force. And the force, uh, the four, the acronym is, uh, again, OODA loop, O-O-D-A. And the OODA loop stands for first observe, then next is orient, then decide, then fourth act. So the observe part is really about forcing, what I help people do is really force that um, ability to observe something without the emotion, staying out of that limbic state, view the, a situation, a person, uh, an event in a rational state of mind. Do not let that emotion take place. So that's the first shot across the bow is observing things rationally. The second thing is orienting yourself to the situation and uh, training experiences uh, manuals, learnings that you can fall back on to in turn make a wise decision. That's what the orient phase, uh, the uh, observe phase, I think is usually important because we must stay rational. That's number one. But the orient phase, I think, is the most robust piece because the more life experiences that we can fall back on, the more training that we can have at our fingertips, the more education that we can fall back on, the broader our orient phase is going to be. The more we're going to be able to select areas that we can fall back on and make wise decisions. So you observe the situation rationally. You orient yourself to potential uh, options that you can fall back on. Once you've oriented yourself, you make good, you decide what you need to do, then you in turn act on that decision. So I look at the orient phase, as I said earlier, training and development is huge. If we are an organization that does not have training and development, our people aren't trained, we don't have basic skills, we don't, we're not investing in that. The orient phase for people is going to be very small because there's nothing to access when real-world situations happen. Hence, we are not going to make the best decisions we can. This is why I'm such a big proponent of training and development, because the more training and development we can have, the more we're going to be able to orient ourselves to to make better decisions and take best actions. In addition, the orient phase, any situation that we can face, whether it's a positive result or a perceived negative result, can bode well for us down into the future and can feed back into that orient phase. So let's hypothetically say I observe a situation, I orient myself, I make a decision, I act, and it was a failure or a perceived failure, so things didn't go as I like them to. Don't let that perceived failure go to waste. Take a lesson from that. Learn a valuable lesson from that because that lesson can feed back up into the OODA loop underneath the orient phase and be a useful event for you to make better decisions and take better actions down the pike. Does that make sense, uh, Kathy and, and Relly? Oh, yeah. Yep, definitely makes sense. So, um, yeah, it, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, so then on the other side of this, you know, when there is a failure, like what are some of the great lessons that someone can learn by that? And I know, you know, we've been talking about the military. They have the after-action reviews. You know, and I think right. us as working with executives 
probably the value of a coach, and you probably say this, Steve, Kathy, and I say it all the time, we're thinking partners with them for them. They don't really get a right. chance to think, reflect, digest, learn That's right. like they really can. So maybe you can kind of speak to that about kind of the, you know, how do you take what may be a perceived failure into maybe an ongoing learning or, or making a positive adjustment? That's right. Yeah, and I use something called a situational debrief. A situational debrief can be used by a person themselves to reanalyze a situation on their own, or they can walk through this process with one of their people as a coaching tool. The situational debrief is a four-step process. So let's say we have a bad customer call or a bad, we've made a bad decision, or again, we've had a perceived failure. I say perceived because there's no such thing as a failure if we've learned, if we can learn a lesson from it. So if we have that situation happen, we walk through four steps. First is to capture the situation again, write it down, relive it. Next, review the outcomes, good, bad, or indifferent. Thirdly, define key learnings. What lesson did you learn now that you're viewing this situation in a rational state of mind? And then the fourth step is now that you've captured the situation, you've reviewed outcomes, you've learned valuable lesson, a lesson from it, what would you do in this situation next time? So it's allowing you to relive a, an emotional or perceived failure situation in a rational, positive light, and that in turn helps build your cortex muscle, and you are able to take that learning and, and experience and use it for future decisions in the OODA loop, in that orient phase. Um, this is nothing new. I learned this in my first job out of college with Beecham products. Um, that, as I said, that company was very deep into training and development. We had a 10-step call procedure. We had a four-part presentation. We had to deliver each sales call. We had um, uh, skills on handling objections, so on and so forth. So we were responsible for eight calls a day. When our manager came and worked with us, he or she would observe us in eight sales calls a day. They would, ob- they would observe us with a 10-step call procedure or force-part presentation. They would observe how we handled objections. They would, wouldn't say much during the call. We would go back into the car, and then the manager would say, tell me about the call. Let's review the outcomes. What did you learn? What would you do different next time? In other words, it was that manager's time to help us walk back through that call and re-anchor our success and failures to the training that we had learned. Again, our 10-step call procedure, our four-part pitch, our handling objections. So every call was a learning experience, and we used the situational debrief as a process to take learnings. By the time we finished our sales representative role in two years, we were well-oiled machines because we had that 10-step call mastered, their four-part presentation mastered, and we knew how to handle objections. Now we were ready for our new roles. That's the same in everything in life as leaders. Every day is an opportunity to learn, grow, and transform into the leaders we were meant to be, and every situation allows us to do that. I want to, uh, as we're closing here, I want to end, uh, tie this together with a quote, one of my favorite quotes about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, it was stated about Lincoln by a reporter who Lincoln was often at odds with. His name was Horace Greeley. 
And he basically stated that Lincoln was not born king of men, but a child of the common people who made himself a great persuader, therefore a leader by dint of firm resolve and dogged perseverance. He was open to all impressions and influences and gladly profited by the teaching of events and circumstances, no matter how adverse or unwelcome. There was probably no year in his life when he was not a wiser, cooler, and better man than he had been the year preceding. So that's what I would like to leave with all the leaders uh, that we're talking to today, that every day is a chance for us to, again, grow, transform, evolve, become the best leaders we can be, especially in these crazy times. But it is imperative that we are open-minded to those adverse situations that are happening and use those as learnings, as as building blocks to help us become the best leader we can and help our our companies, again, gain that competitive advantage. But it's of the utmost importance that we stay rational, we stay calm, calm, collected, uh, so we make those good decisions. We think clearly, we think creatively, and we say the right things uh, to those people who, with whom we're leading. Well, Steve, uh, we are getting to the end of our show here. I just want to remind everybody that the name of your book is In Defense of Adversity, uh, the title of a great book for some difficult times, whether you are uh, thinking about uh, your life as it is or the life that you are seeking uh, I'm sure our Generation Z could use a couple of reads uh, to understand adversity. As you know, the population is uh, very averse uh, to any kind of negativity. But practice, right. as you shared in your exercise, is what's necessary in order to build the muscle emotionally, physically, mentally, uh, and neurologically to be able to overcome uh, those uh you know, those adverse conditions that we're all going to face in life. So thank you so much. I just want to remind everybody they can find you at www.gavatorta.com. That's G-A-V-A-T-O-R-T-A.com. Thanks so much, Steve. Thank you, Steve. And for our listeners, continue to tune up, uh, tune in to tune up your performance, and we'll be with you again next week. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.